Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John, and welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical eye. That's right, and to avoid lazy negativity, we've decided to make this episode a drinking game. Drinking game, yes, we did. Anytime we say anything negative at all, we're gonna play this sound. And that means that we are taking a drink, and we hope you drink along with us. So pour yourselves a glass and we're going to discuss a movie whose title seems to be the New Year's resolution of all your streaming services. (laughs) (sighs) Guys, it's good to be back. We've taken a three-week break and we kicked this episode off with John making us restart it. So John... Oh, he's yeah. on the board. He's on glad the board. He, glad you got first an Ethernet cable. Glad you got an I, Ethernet cable, though. Really I great. never thought the first you know buzz what, of the yeah. year would be John. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. That, there's no way that would happen. But I am going to just gently pass what? that right back to you. What happened? Because Dave and I sat online for about 15 minutes last week, and we were like, do you think he's coming? Where is he? he surely he never responded to do, us. Maybe he just didn't. Where, where do you do think you wanna, he is? Do you want to know the irony? The fucking irony. Hawaii. I'm talking out of school here, but Jeff just shared that we're not the only one he did that to. Yeah, it's true, actually. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you did fuck up. Jeff literally texted us afterwards, and he said, I was literally in a surfing lesson Yeah, I was. when you guys were texting me if I was going to start to hop on and talk about fucking movies. Fuck. You better surf in Hawaii yeah, as opposed to yeah, talk about he, movies. He, he, might have, he might have got a few mentions on the Matt and Mark movie show. Uh, <laughs> yeah who's that a, a gripe who is that mark like. yeah i they, they apparently asked <laughs> sure. me to be on their show um on instagram and then i didn't see it or didn't respond or i don't know i was in hawaii and then um i kept responding to their other stories so they uh they roasted me for that on the on the show so i don't I'm know a, I'm a i was in hawaii mark. i feel like that's a, a meme <laughs> yeah <laughs> you can just say that whenever you want i i fucking i fucking <clears throat> lived in hawaii for a few months after college and dude it's it's one of those places where like the cliche exists for a reason. It's fucking incredible. Yeah, I feel like TV and film has kind of taken a break from it too. Like yeah. before White Lotus twenty twenty one. Yeah, nothing had been set there in a long time. Like, oh, Hawaii America five, uh, kind of yeah. has its film. Yeah, Hawaii every, five, uh, yeah, yeah, everyone kind of went. Oh, Lost did it. Let's avoid it. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, yeah. But I mean, my God, like, can you imagine having a reason to like work there and live there for part oh, of the year? Oh my God, I mean, Jesus. Yeah, it's that was horrible. Oh God, that <laughs> so tough. Um, so anyway, had a great time, and also, uh, um, Moana really got Hawaii. I mean, they really like they really cut some corners, man. They they, they could have done so much more with that. It's what they set the whole thing on the ocean. Come on, what the fuck? Lilo and Stitch were way better. It was way better. Okay, so we're I talking. Moana was set in Indonesia. I thought it was oh, the yeah? Indonesian Oh, yeah? That's why, that's why Maui was the god in the, the movie? True, true, true. Okay. They were supposed to be Indonesian, weren't they? Isn't that why she was trying well, to they are, become a sailor? I mean, they are Polynesian. They are... Polynesian. Descent, I'm they, buzzing those, everyone for this whole conversation. Those explorers <laughs> came across the ocean. Yeah. Um, imagine. Yeah, the settlers... And um, really fucked over that island a long time ago, but it's still great right now. Oh, it's so good. Too many hotels in Oahu, but God. Oh, my God. It's paradise, guys. It's paradise. Oh, and we paradise. Saw- okay, we got to get back into the show here. <laughs> Had a great trip. Um, we're going to be talking about 1965, the film year, a couple things that were happening. This is based on a random year generator, which pulled this year. Um, and we're going to give you some mini reviews. Got a couple mini reviews for new movies that are coming out because it is award season here in January 2024. So we've seen some new movies in our past three weeks. Not enough. But and I, I, just want, I just want to stop everything right now because I know, if I'm not mistaken, this movie came out in 1967. Okay, I, in I the have. US. I have a. I have a little so, thing about that, Dave. Yep, I've already yep. had that in my research. Good, but yes, I, I mean, I know we. I know we're drunks, but we're not stupid. Yes, it came sure, out 1965 sure, sure. in Italy. <clears throat> We'll talk, we'll talk about that in a second. Are you curious? Why did it take two years for this you movie to come out in America? Well, I'll tell you when we get to our segment about 1965, which will lead into, for a few dollars more, Sergio Leone's film that he filmed in Rome and Spain, starring Clint Eastwood, who was on break from Rawhide. Rawhide! Who <laughs> <laughs> was, was not allowed to film in America per contract because those greedy bastards that run studios, this is totally different now for sure. Those greedy bastards that run studios at the time could forbid you from using your hiatus to film in a certain country. That's how fucked up those contracts were in the 50s and 60s. But he was allowed <laughs> to film in Europe. 
So Clint Eastwood went to Spain, went to Rome, and he made some spaghetti westerns, as they became known. And we're going to talk about For A Few Dollars More, which is the second in the trilogy. They all came out three years in a row in Italy, 1964, 65, 66. If we said this movie came out in 67, we'd fuck a lot of things up, but more on that later. We got some beer. We got some sponsors. I bumped into one of our sponsors yesterday. Was his name Carlos Barroso? His name is Carlos Barroso. Angela and I were hanging at Nordstrom's across the street from the old establishment that John and I met Carlos at. And we walked in and he uh. hugged us. He was giving us kisses on the cheek. Carlos is such a good guy. I think he made a joke like, am I your sponsor again? I was like, yes, of course. And then <laughs> oh, he was great, like, okay, great. I drank listened, all the beers I gave the you. one show where we made that joke. <laughs> Is he there said, a uh, when, when did that Nordstrom get in there on 57th? Oh yeah, it's the flagship Is that store now for years. Very good. No, holy shit. Yeah, flagship. In fact, it's so big the men's department has to be across the street. Yeah, it's huge. Five floors. Where they belong. That's what she the said. Basements. Okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what she said. Like we're an office space. All right. We also have a music sponsor. Just the jo- office. Yeah. Just the oh, so- office, you fucking idiot. Oh, my God. No, uh, yeah, I said so office sad, space. Yeah. Off- okay, office, whatever. Get the fuck out of here. And then... Um, did it again. Anyway, Carlos, Dave, Carlos has more beers for us uh, next month. Uh, John, you're, you're shit out of luck, man. You're in Los Angeles. So his name is his name is Carlos Barozzo, and I believe he has an Instagram <laughs> handle. See Barozzo.beer. If you want to follow him, you can go... Uh, Look at all of his beer making shenanigans. He is fun to watch, always sharing new information on just some local spots in New York City, different beer articles. He might be brewing something up. Definitely fun to follow him. Uh, we also have a, a music artist in residence by the name of Dasein, D-A-S-E-I-N. You can download or stream all of that music on the usual music platforms. Go enjoy. You can hear his music at the beginning and ending of all of our shows just to give you a taste. He's get, got some new shit we, out right we now. We liked it Holy so much crap. we played it twice Rick, tonight. <laughs> listen to the interludes and he has a couple of things that are about to drop that we listened to recently under the influence in the mountains ah. oh boy really really beautiful awesome i want to give one more shout out to guy who is the new gm at this restaurant that john and i used to work at whose name i refuse to mention after how horribly is they GM? fired his name's guy this guy wow, is congrats his, dude yeah i didn't know he was guy. the yeah, you, you remember him, right? Yeah. So anyway, guys, shout out. Yeah, I hear yeah, you listen yeah. to the pod. I hear you listen to the pod. Uh, we'll come in someday, perhaps. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Not, um, and maybe I'll think differently about, you know, the place since I uh, was fired for some bullshit. All right, people. We got <laughs> to get into the show. Yeah. It's the same. The food. Um, the food. Sometimes I mention <laughs> the food. I just, I kind of want to go eat it. I kind of want to go back there and yeah. visit New York and like try some of yeah. it. All right. What are we talking uh, yeah. about? Okay, what are we doing? I know, I know we're chewing up time here, but I have a gripe that I've been sitting on for like two weeks and I'm ready to go. But if you I guys bet have... you have been for fucking Angela has had to listen to your fucking <laughs> gripes just like yeah. every night by herself. Yeah. She's, she was in on a couple amazing, of these too. You've had weeks to. You've had no, weeks to no, 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 no. You don't don't set cakes. this up. Don't set this up. <laughs> don't set this up. Okay. All right. I'm ready for my gripe. The thing about Hawaii okay. is. Okay, no, no, give me my time back. Okay, the skincare companies, skincare companies, stop having a 12-year-old tell me what their skincare routine is. I get it. TikTok and Instagram influencers, they're all children who are terrible dancers and don't wear enough clothes. I get it. But they're so young and innocent, they could throw acid on their face and not look any different. And I'm not talking about hydroluronic acid. Fuck, hyaluronic acid. That's a skincare joke. <laughs> but now kids are doing national network skincare commercials and they pay it. That pays a lot of money. The headline keeps circulating about how Hillary Duff still looks good at 35 and everyone's freaking out like, oh, still look good. Like she's supposed to look like Miss Havisham by now. That's a Dickens reference, kids. Put the lotion down and read a book. And if you're a, a straight boy, put the lotion down, pull your pants up, and go talk to a girl because those rates are down. But anyway, Hillary Duff, if it's so surprising that Hillary Duff looks amazing, ask her. Fucking Hook was 33 years ago. What's Maggie Smith's skincare routine? Honestly, you can't honestly. but honestly, you can't afford their skincare routine anyway. So put that shit down that's been banned in Canada. Get it off your yeah, face. It's not and real. just <laughs> and just respect your elders. And when you see any of these children, tell them to take a fucking dance class with an adult teacher. Jeff went to Hawaii and turned into me. <laughs> there is an, there is a, 
an array of baby mammal stem cells at any given moment that are just being pumped into Maggie Smith. You know they're already. That woman still looks What's beautiful. her skincare routine? I don't want a 12-year-old. You know what my skincare Honestly. routine was when I was 12 was? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> we, we finally find out that Maggie Smith's like skincare routine is like Jack and Coke and a cigarette. It's like... Uh, bottle yeah, it up dude. bottle it up it's a lot Work cheaper than what I'm putting in probably very little sun mm. Jeff did you get too much sun I, I, I actually did get too much sun and I got one of those the huge island a, I got one of those huge ass hats too and I still couldn't I couldn't help it gotta check out the it's dangerous you guys gotta check out the moles um <laughs> <laughs> we got some mini reviews Dave saw Dave's gonna mention one oh. John's gonna mention I don't know John you start with one of yours because you saw a couple more than us so what, what do you want to start with I in will. your mini review uh, I am going to start with, do you want to do like one, 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 we'll go around the horn or should I just go and order all three? Man, I have no idea. Just do one. Let's do, I'm going to do American fiction because I saw it most recently oh. last night. Oh, Court Jefferson's. So yeah. I, that's his name, right? God, I didn't fuck that up today. Yeah. Court Jefferson. It's his debut as a director, but he's been a staff writer on uh, multiple really great shows in the past. Won an Emmy for Watchmen. Seven or eight years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been doing some some fun stuff. He was a journalist before that. So this man is, you know, very comfortable writing. It shows, but he really did a great job with this movie, and all the reviews are right. I mean, I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I thought it had a really, really wonderful tone, especially if you are someone who identity does not matter here. If you are someone who has a a particular take on what might seem as limitations of seeming uh, extremely PC and liberal in current climate we live in, this movie is going to make you smile, laugh, feel some warmth in your heart, maybe understand the other side of the argument a little bit better and strengthen your own. Like it's, it's, a, it's good. It's worth seeing. Some people might say, I'll wait till it comes into their television, but spend money on this movie. First time director, movies like this that don't get produced very often. Ryan Johnson is a producer on this project, but this is a small movie that needs to be seen in the theater so that you can give it as much money as possible. Because I bet you're probably not going to spend VOD prices on it. You're probably not going to spend 20 bucks at home, but I bet you would spend 15 bucks to go see it in the movie theater. So go do it. Mm. I got two others I'll talk about, but you guys want to talk about some one of yours first? Dave. I uh, I actually saw Poor Things. Nice. Um, the Amistone film. It's... Uh... Yeah, it's it, uh, uh well, no, it, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm I, it's billed as a science fiction, and the what, yeah, I didn't know that. the world they create for this thing is amazing. It is so far out. I haven't seen someone commit to a vision since Scott Pilgrim, basically. So, so hard, wow, like the, the world building is fantastic. They, it's completely Listener, that's Dave's favorite movie, by the way. The, just so we're on the same wearing, page, the, of he's that. wearing the shirt right now, unapologetic. Um, he hit his. But it's got Pilgrim quota today. In its way, it's long. Um, <laughs> I will say, if it's, it's long, it is. I would. I want to say it's the perfect first date film because oh. if your first date is still there at the end of it, you know this is going to work. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, there's some uncomfortable shit. He was mad an hour, uh, two, two, two hours and thirty minutes in. <laughs> yeah. That joke popped into his head. <laughs> but yeah, I heard it's no, amazing. It's, it is amazing. It's, it's amazing. Great. And like, yeah. I mean, fantastic cast. Fantastic story. It's it's gripping. It's uh, and basically the if this doesn't win something for production design, I don't know what will. It looked like it was all shot, or a lot of it was shot inside studios that they built everything. Is that yeah? Even, did you get that sense? Even too? the exteriors are almost like a stage set. That's what it looked. Yeah, yeah. that's what all the promo and everything. Everything looks is like. condensed. Everything because she's she's basically trapped. He won't let her outside. So there's like one or two times where they show uh, the outside world. Um, but then when she finally goes out into the outside world, it's like little Ooh. concise set pieces. And it's, it's, very, wow. it's very well designed. Um, and okay. also, yeah, cool. very interesting story. Um, I was joking about the first date thing. Don't take your first date to this because there is gratuitous sex all the way through it. Sure. <laughs> he likes that, doesn't he? He loves yeah. it. Oh my God! Was it, well, I I saw another new new film while we're here. Well, I saw the creator, but you guys had already done a music. Um, you guys had already done a mini review on it, and mm. I really I did. I saw it on a plane, of course. So with the greatest salt. I did the really, really, intended. 
I really, 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 really like it. I probably, I, 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 I say the script is, is not the weak, isn't the right word, but I, I think I could, I think I could have used a, a slightly more, progr- more challenging script. But the idea is is for top notch, and I feel like we're going to see more of those ideas. And of course, the the filmmaking is brilliant, and the tension is good, and everything. I just, I feel like the plot mm-hmm. and some of the dialogue was wasn't wasn't as challenging as the film. Mm. If that makes I mean, sense. I think the one thing I liked about that one yeah. is by the time you got to Act Three, it could have gone anywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. I, yeah, it, it, it concluded really well. Totally, totally, totally. Mm. Um, just nothing that was yeah. like holding me in suspense. Anyway, um, um, for the from the script, just the visuals and the, the action. Anyway, um, you guys see Asteroid City too? I know that was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. No. Yep. No. It's 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 different. I know it's it's obviously still West. You can't escape it. But they go kind of in and out of this world. And and similar, actually, Dave, you kind of reminded me that I saw it with Poor Things because they set it up that it's like a play or you know it's being acted out. And so mm. you you see the sets. They're showing you the sets. And then sometimes you kind of forget they're there. But it's obviously stylized and and it feels even more set like than you know Grand Budapest Hotel or any of these others. You know, but I I did really 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 like it. It is not a plain movie, I don't think, because I was kind of going in and out every time they kind of change sequences, the the, the tone shifts and the shifts. I'm, and I'm often, I'm often looking for things to put me to sleep on a plane. <laughs> oh boy! But I I did I, I still really liked it. I like that elevated language and style, and I love the way characters talk to each other in Wes Anderson movies, where it's conversational, but the the movement is so subtle and still that it's like like the Edward Norton. Um, you know his character is really fun. anyway. I, I I liked it but didn't love it. Um, not my favorite West, but but go see it because it's different. Sweet. Should we get into Maestro, John? Yeah, you and I both saw it. Yeah. Did you watch it on the plane or did you guys have a proper you know home theater? Um, we watched good, it. Good we, TV. We, we watched it at home theater at home before we left. What'd you think, man? We didn't finish it. Oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! Oh man! What about you? Right. I really, really, really liked it. I think um, I feel like that movie is in a weird place. I'm just, and I'm not speaking of any authority here. I just, it seemed it didn't get any love at Golden Globes. Like it, it's not. I'm wondering if people are feeling weird about the fact that he directed himself in that kind of role. Because there's a difference between, and I've made this an illusion, and I'm not saying I necessarily feel this way, but I wouldn't be surprised if some people have this reaction to it. William Wallace in Braveheart does not want the limelight. That's one of the reasons that's so attractive to him. And the reason why I think it's easier to swallow someone like Mel Gibson, to, you know, leave his controversy aside with what, you know, what happened to him later in his life. But at the time, yeah, he's in almost every scene and a lot of frames of Braveheart, but he's playing the kind of character that is just trying to do the right thing. Leonard Bernstein is a egotistical, you know, character and he's in every single frame. Um, so I have a feeling that that might be turning some people off that Bradley Cooper, like put himself in that kind of role. That said, I thought it was a very well directed piece. Like it's directed. It's not just point a camera at them while they act. And he has, you know, all the makeup and does the voice and waves his arms around. I thought it was, I thought it was very well conceived. Um, I love Leonard Bernstein, the, the man, and I think he's got a wonderful story. There's a lot of really great drama just infused into his life. Uh, if you're a fan of classical music, I think you're going to love it. I thought it was really beautifully done. The score is obviously just covered in his, his music from different periods of time. So I don't know if any of that stuff strikes your fancy. I, I find it hard to believe that you wouldn't enjoy watching it, but I am curious did you turn it off because you guys said, I don't want to watch this anymore? I or did you guys just not have time? In tr- no, did, what's, in- what's the runtime on this film? It's a little over two, 210 maybe. Yeah, okay. it's really not cool. that long. Cool. It's, it's not. We, we, you know, it's a tough word to say. I feel like it's such a dagger word, but we were, we were bored, man. It's, it, they, it wasn't to me, the, to me, to me. It's a tough word to say on this show. I know. The first 15 <laughs> minutes were so great. It was so great. I love that it wasn't a Wikipedia biopic where it just gives you all the, it plays all the hits and tells you all the information. And I love that it wasn't a like single topic or single issue biopic like a Lincoln where it's about passing a bill and then hopefully you get or Selma where it's like I hope you understand the person based on this month of their life. It was somewhere in between, I guess. It was we sh- we saw a lot. It opened in the future and I love that where it was basically love. It was it was Carrie Mulligan character who plays his wife and I I, I love that going Gosh, back. She's so good. She is. To me, to me, the movie's called Maestro, and that doesn't mean that I have to overthink that, especially we've talked about titles on this movie, but 
I wasn't grounded in, in who he was, what, what the want is, what the pinch was. And then all of a sudden, I believe he overdirected it. I, I don't think it was grounded when he was doing all of these sweeps. And there was a dream ballet like less than 30 minutes into the movie. And we're seeing all this tension that you know who he is in real life, you know, the bisexuality and this stuff. And they were laying it on enough that people can can catch up with that. But I was like, what? what is, what? we don't even know who th this person is. These people seem to have just met. And now we're already in a whim. There's a reason dream ballets are usually in act two. And this is like 25 minutes in. I, I just feel like he was doing things to show just, that he can direct. And it just didn't seem, it didn't seem grounded in anything. I just didn't care. I, I honestly could have used, I would have rather had the tar thing where it's 10 minutes of, of him on a wonder. Also his voice work was all over the place. Not his accent necessarily, but his voice work. I don't think his voice was grounded. I don't know. It just, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't clicking for me. I got to give it another watch, mm. but I don't know. I am just curious and I, and I don't want to give anything away here, but did you get to the big sequence where he conducts Mahler's second? No, I saw a video about that, but of course I didn't watch it in context of the film. So that shouldn't count, but. So I'm not going to give anything away, but there is some kind of payoff. Okay. After that sequence, that comments on what you're talking about. Now we could, you could still absolutely say that, well, if that is your plant and this is your payoff, I still didn't buy the plant or it just didn't right. satisfy me. But there is a payoff there that I does do, I do think is intentional. Okay. Uh, but I mean, you know, you're asking a lot of people. Also, let me just take a big stab at this. This kind of movie is supposed to be seen on a giant screen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With this great, is with the sound, kind of with great sound. Yeah, I can't imagine because I mean, we watched it on a TV and, you know, we had some decent speakers, but like, I know that I think everybody would appreciate it more if you got to see it on 60 feet. Yeah, it's just that kind of film. So I, I feel bad for him for that sense, too, because like everybody's press and play on this at the Christmas season where they really want to be entertained. And it's a heavy yeah. piece and <laughs> it's, it is very directed. You know, it's going to kind of try take a lot of risks and. Yep. Anyway, well, I'm sorry. Not sad to hear it's you okay. say that, but I guess I'm not super surprised. I mean, most people are saying that. You know, I know he's getting nominated for a lot of stuff, but a lot of people are saying it. But yeah, anyway, it's it's okay. He's, he's great. Yeah. She, she's amazing. She's yeah. so good. And he she can direct. So he really good, can. Dude. He can really direct. I want him to see. I want to see him do a Cassavetes next. And I know we're we're running long here, but I did just want to <laughs> shout out because you guys know I was such a huge, huge, huge fan of the Holdover. Still, probably my favorite film. Maybe my oh, absolute yeah. favorite growing of buzz the year. Now. Oh yeah, yeah. Congratulations to Paul Giamatti and Divine. Is that her name? Davine. Uh, I think they're. I think they pronounce it Davine. Fuck yes. I'm so happy. I know that they might not get a chance to get that acclaim when they're in the academies or the guilds when it's not separated into comedy, musicals, and drama. So take a fucking bow. You guys deserve it. That movie is awesome, and I'm so glad they were. They were uh, recognized. Oh, my God. Anyway, I'm done. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Dave, anything you want to add before I go on my rant about 1965 in film? And then we're going to get into for a few dollars. We're only no. 25 minutes in, Dave. What yeah, do you want to just talk about? Yeah, John's drink light's still on. He, he's, he's ignored oh, that line. Oh, that's fine. I, I, I drank actively. No, no, there was another one. All right. Well, <laughs> sure. up. John's birthday tomorrow. We even know Very what excited for you. Congratulations, John. <laughs> hey, thanks. Setting you up good for success. All right, people. We have reached our featured segment here, films from the 1965. I think this one's easy, but I don't want to, maybe I shouldn't have said that and come across as an asshole. What was the highest grossing film from 1965? Uh, is it a James Bond film? Nope. Well, I feel- Is it a, <laughs> is it a musical? Uh, yes. Yes. It's a musical about Nazi fucking Germany. Yeah, those, those Nazis come in and they come in fucking hard in this movie. That's right. The Sound of Music. The Sound of Music would actually replace Gone with the Wind as the highest grossing film of all time. And it essentially saved wow. 20th Century Fox, who was still recovering their debt from fucking Cleopatra two years prior. Also, Christopher Plummer hated this movie and he hated that he was known for it until years later. Funny fact, but true. Apparently $72 million, wow. which in 1965 sounds like a lot. But then again, these numbers are all bullshit. Dr. Zhivago comes in at number two, which was also Woo. one of the highest slash fastest, fastest growing movies of all time. 
and became a huge MGM hit, their biggest hit since Ben-Hur. So those two big fucking firecrackers here in 1965. Thunderball came in third, which is the James Bond film this year. Hmm. Although if you go online, you can't fucking trust anything online. It tries to say that Goldfinger came out this year and it tries to say that Mary Poppins came out this year, which is bullshit. They both came out in 1964. I don't know what the hell is wrong with Google, but they're throwing us off. Those magnificent men in their flying machines came in at number four for 20th Century Fox. Can you wonder why they were struggling financially? Yeah, but hey, right. they came in number four, even with movies with that title. The Great yeah. Race! It's like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang on the You Need Less Drugs. <laughs> and more words in the title. <laughs> the Great Race comes out this year, not to be confused with the greatest story ever told, which fucking flopped. Sorry, George Stevens. Jesus Christ. Aww. It's a Jesus Christ film. So religious films uh, took a long time to recover after this. Yes. That Darn Cat came in at number six. Movies were weird. Cat Baloo comes in at number oh, seven. Boy. What's new, Pussy Cat? That's three cat references in a row. Wow. Shenandoah. Shenandoah comes in at number nine. And then Von Ryan's Express at number 10. Again, what a weird year of movies. Really glad we're talking about our movie which i'll tell you more about in a second a couple things that happened this year another vault fire the 60s were fucked up for vault fires at mgm studios in culver city destroyed the only known copies of hundreds of archives silent films including some lon cheney's and some garbos man sorry do, do you guys. think other studios yeah. were just paying yeah. people to run around and start vault fires i mean maybe but then again you saw those uh everything was flammable as fuck you know that shit uh and yeah. then the other big thing i'll say is that the oscars which of course would be the following year but for this film year the sound of music would win five awards including best picture and best director robert wise which was the second time he accomplished that feat after west side story a few years earlier um another notable thing that came out in film this year is a charlie brown christmas the first Peanuts oh, televised man. special. And it's still going. Debuted on CBS, and it's a Christmas <laughs> tradition. Uh, before I get into the world events, any other films you guys want to highlight from this year that you see, which might be bullshit because of Google? Nope. Definitely. I wasn't uh, even alive. Su- Kurosawa's Redbeard, okay. Sidney Lumet's The Hill, and uh, Polanski's Repulsion. Ooh, Repulsion was this year, right? Nice. Okay, well, let's yeah, go. That's, that's all I got. Okay, what was going on in 1965? Uh, Lyndon B. Johnson is sworn in for his first full term. Yeah, that. Yeah. Ch- Churchill. The pa- Voting Rights Act? Uh, I don't know if that was this year, actually. I thought we already covered no. that, but anyway, Churchill passed okay. away and was laid in rest in January of 65. Oh, shit. There's a big year for space. So, Russia, there was a Russian space walk. Ranger 8, which was uh, American, um, crashes into the moon after a successful mission of photographing possible landing sites for the Apollo program. And Gemini 3, NASA, launches the United States' first two-person crew with Gus Grissom and Josh John Young into Earth's orbit. And we also had a different fucking scope that went past Mars and just blew by Mars, but gave us some images of the red planet. Malcolm X was assassinated this year. That's fucking terrible. And the Bloody Sunday Massacre happened in Selma, which was followed up by King marching back in Selma a couple And the Voting Rights later. Act did get published in August of 1965. Nice. Um, Probably because of all that shit. The U.S. occupies the Dominican Republic. And now Republic. they're trying to overturn it state by state. Bad. Yeah, God they are. Those fucking bastards. Uh, Indo-Pakistani war. Che Guevara re- resigns and leaves Cuba. And Vietnam, we sent 3,500 Marines to arrive in South Vietnam to become the first American ground combat troops in Vietnam. And later wow. that year, we started getting ambushed and had proper battles with the North Vietnamese. 1965, people. Not 67 or 68. 65 is when we were on the ground fucking shit up. That was, that was the police action or the actual war? That was when we actually had troops. That was that was us actually deploying troops in war. Because mm, yeah, at then, first it was a police action. Yes, that's right. That was earlier. And um, we um, and uh, Lyndon B. Johnson yeah. also outlawed burning draft cards and stuff. This all happened in '65, way before I don't know. I think our generation knows. Let's segue into for a few dollars more here with this. And I think the most important thing here is, as Dave mentioned before, this movie came out in America in 1967. You know what else came out in 1967? The other two movies in this trilogy. <laughs> so, so Sergio Leone, his first proper feature film was in 1961, and seven of his eight feature films were between 1961 and 1971. So he fucking owned the 60s. If it weren't for a little director named Akira Kurosawa. So what happened was, in 1964, Sergio Leone co-wrote and directed a Fistful of Dollars, the first part of this trilogy, which also which starred Charles Bronson and, of course, Clint Eastwood. And 
Akira Kurosawa's company sued the production company for Sergio Leone because it is very obviously an unofficial remake of Yojimbo that they, of course, did not get any kind of rights or permission for. Um, so the North American distributors were very wary of distributing any of these films because they were worried about getting sued by Kurosawa's company. Somehow they got the rights or they got some kind of deal made where all $3 <clears throat> films were released in America in 1967. So Fistful came out in January for a few dollars more came out in May. And The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, which technically came out in Italy in 1966, came out in December. So 1967 is the hugest year. It's, it changed everything in cinema. And it just also happened to be when all three of these movies were released. That kind of gets buried beneath The Graduate and all the other shit that was happening that year. Pretty interesting, right? Damn. Hmm. Yeah. Um, did Eastwood you, received fifty thousand dollars. Did you see the story return. where Eastwood only agreed to do the film after they rushed an Italian version over to the US? Yeah, because it hadn't come out yet. Yeah, and he, the, the audience sat down and watched it in Italian. Isn't that funny? And they had such a good time that he yeah. agreed to do the second one. Yeah. Whereas Charles Bronson said basically what Clint Eastwood was worried about, which is that it's too similar. The movies are too similar, similar style, similar characters. He's going to be another person that's not named, even though they pretended to give him a name in this, even though it's sort of unnamed, but they, he does have a name. Uh, but Charles Bronson said no, which is why you had um, uh, Van Cleef his, come in. His poncho has bullet holes from the first one in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and again, he can only do these movies. He can't do anything else because he can't work in America because of fucking rawhide. But actually, the sets of all of these movies, too, this is funny. You can actually go to, um, mm. where they built El Paso in this film, and they use it for other sets as well. It's actually in Spain. So a lot of the exteriors were filmed in the desert in Spain, and the interiors were filmed in Rome, Italy. Um, this also was a co-pro with West Germany and France. Solve for X. But anyway, um, you can actually go visit what they call Mini Hollywood. It is a theme park that still exists if you want to head out to the Spanish desert. And I think that's enough for me yapping about this film. Let me give you the setup. And then I'll pass it off to you. John's the expert of this series, not us. But no, 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 no. Let's uh, let's give you the, just the pitch, and then we'll go on our way. So, IMDb description of this movie: Two bounty hunters with the same intentions team up to track down an escaped Mexican outlaw. This is available for streaming on HBO Max, or sorry, just Max. Who wants to take it from there? I don't know if they team up. Okay, what's funny is that yeah. that doesn't even happen for like an hour yeah. into the movie. So I feel like an hour's worth of setup, which is brilliant. They just like, eh, that's not what that's that's not what this movie's about. Anyway, they got to say something in there. I'll give a little. I'll give just a little, a tiny bit of history on Sergio Leone, the director who was born to silent film stars. Yeah, and uh, he literally was in like grade school with Ennio Morricone, the amazing composer, oh. who would later be his ultimate collaborator um, in terms like his John Williams to his Steven Spielberg. Um, he eventually started assisting Vittoria De Sica, De Sica, who made such films as Bicycle Fucking Thieves. Uh. So like, you know, he was, he came up in the film industry as an assistant for a long time to a very, very, very profoundly effective, uh, what is, you know, the new age right after post-war Italy, Italian cinema. And then he got obsessed with Kurosawa, like so many people did, and started mm -hmm. making these, these specific kinds of Westerns. And before we start talking about the movie specifically, I do just want to give a tiny bit of context on when these were distributed in 67 to America. The Hayes Code, which is what we refer to as the code, whenever pre-code and post-code, these are things that have to do with husbands and wives in movies sleeping in separate beds, how you portray violence mm. and, you know, anything that is of uh, there, there was no rating system yet. All that kind of shit. When these movies got distributed over here, he was able to really break some molds with how violent these Westerns were. Oh, yeah. Obviously, everybody listening to this who's a, a fan of cinema, but certainly if you grew up in America, whether you watch them or not, we own the Western. It's like what Hollywood fucking made for 30 or 40 years up till that point, even silent era, all the way back to 19 fucking hundred, they were the first movies made were Westerns. So why was what he did such a unique turn on it? One, it was done, they, these spaghetti style Western, which is still used, that's not a prejudice term, they still talk about it. Italians still use that, like everybody still uses that term. I don't know how it's allowed to still be used, but they still use it. Uh, one of the obvious ways that it was so popular was because of how it portrayed its violence. Mm -hmm. There was a specific piece of the Hayes Code that said there was a specific way that you were supposed to cut or stage when somebody was shot 
in a western. Yeah, that's my favorite. Right. Role. So that they weren't. Yeah. Yeah. So that they weren't supposed to be Shoot. in the yeah. same. The sender frame. and receiver couldn't be in you, the same frame. <laughs> you needed to cut to show the violence, and he said, "Fuck that." Now, of course, there's brilliant cutting as well. There's brilliant mm. editing where they do that is in a very effective way. But there were also a lot of times, and especially in a lot of his very famous showdown sequences where you get to see somebody really get shot, like the opening when Lee Van Cleef gets oh off his God. horse yeah. and shoots that guy at the beginning. That whole sequence, no one had ever seen anything like that before. It, they had a fistful of dollars. Um, that was the first time that these were really seen. But they seen. got it all in one year. You didn't need to see these movies in order, yeah. <laughs> so that was the obvious thing. It would be like the equivalent, what I always talk about is, it is the equivalent to our generation, us three, you guys, watching Pulp Fiction for the first time and being like, oh, shit that's what violence looks like that's what filmmaking can be when it's shamelessly epic and operatic and they play with time manipulation and they start playing with mise-en-scene and just there's there's a lot of traditional things that they're doing here that he just turned on its head turned up to 11 or just fucking exploded in your face for the first time it was not gentle and the themes were i would say that the mythology of the western these these mythos and pathos of this incredible genre that America had already done so well with, they did the Italian version of it. Yeah. <laughs> they did the Spanish version of it. It's just more emotional. There's a there's a heightened sense to it. And a lot of that, I think, exists in the simple fact that the dubbing, there is something about the dubbing yeah. in Italian movies uh-huh. that immediately puts it into like a dreamscape. It doesn't look and sound real because right. the dialogue is not recorded on set. None mm. of it is. So everything sounds like it's not quite right. And I think I think all of that in, it culminates in these this amazing trilogy, which is still celebrated. I I, I like these movies a lot. I, just, I don't know. I just want to say, too, Amer- America took it and ran with it, man, because there's, the, there's a body count of 46 in this. That doesn't even make the top 100 <laughs> of movies of, yeah. with body counts. I feel like all of these were, yeah. were of a consequence. But you feel yeah. these more, don't you? But you know what's, like, I mean, we could... And you know what's funny, too, is, is you do feel them. But also, I almost thought you were going to say, I didn't, I didn't know it was a cutting where they couldn't be in the same frame. The way people die is more instantaneous, which does put it in this sort of melodrama slash opera. There is also a very pseudo-famous opera that is a Western called Fanchula del West, which is a Puccini opera, which is like, duh, of course it is. Like the fucking epic scale. Like how many close-ups are there in this most of, of most epic? The opening sequence, guys, that opening where you just see a guy with a horse a million miles away and then he just fucking goes down and then the credits start rolling. And then, <laughs> so that, and, awesome. and then the horse is still there and they say, get that horse out of there. So they start fucking with that horse. I mean, it is so <laughs> goddamn good. But I thought you were going to say the way people died like that. Because we all know, you know, watching your Tarantinos and watching your Godfathers and stuff, people bleed out. They don't die right away. You know, you people die of their injuries later, right? In these movies, boom, it happens pretty much every single time. Well, it's, 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 and it's also the fact that they're so heightened and operatic and theatrical or there was maybe a necessity that came out of the fact that they didn't have a lot of money when they were making them. There's not a lot of squibs and blood splatter no, in this no, movie. No, 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 don't need them. There's hmm. some, but for the most part, yeah. None. Yeah. People are just like getting shot and then they roll over very dramatically. Yeah. When the most deadly stabs of all time, when Clint is, when, when they're sneaking in over the building, the prison at the beginning yeah. to break him out, and it's just one stab anywhere in the body, they're dead immediately. Uh-huh. It doesn't matter. There's no blood. There's, it doesn't matter. Everybody just dies very it's quickly. It's a knife of instant kill but, plus five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. But yeah, man, there's a, yeah, so who, all right, so, had you guys seen this before? No. Had you all seen any of these before? Yeah. Like okay. I said, my, my grandfather was huge on the Westerns, so I, I got them through the periphery. But uh, it's been years since I saw this one. I definitely watched the what good... What did you think? Sorry, go ahead. I, I think it was uh, long. <laughs> it, it, it crams about 50 minutes of plot into a two-hour and 20-minute movie. In it saying is long. that... It is long. The direction is solid. The production design is solid. The shots are solid. The editing is solid. The sound is not. But like, they, it's, mean, it's a fantastic movie. Like, it's the the plot is a bit slow, but that sometimes that's what a western's about. Yeah, for sure. That and that is something that I know this is going to sound incredibly obvious, but I do think that one of his intentions. He's spoken about it before. Ford. John Ford has spoken about it before. Creating the right pace in a Western 
they would argue that it's important for holding on to that that mythos because time was so slow. And one way that I love what this movie does for how they make a comedic bit out of it is the prospector scene when Clint goes to talk to that guy who literally has like lived there clearly for like a hundred thousand years, refused to sell his property and the, the railroad. Just keeps oh my god, that scene with the fucking everybody. house shaking. Oh my god, <laughs> that was so funny. Well, how did they do and that? Then, I mean that. How did they do that? I, I don't know, uh, Dave. Uh, what do you think they had him on uh, a fucking uh, stage and they were literally like moving the whole yeah. stage this, and like had it on hydraulic? Stage on the shot. I mean, yeah, maybe. They took the shocks out of cars and just put it under the stage and just bounced it around. Like, what the yeah. fuck? Unbelievable. Well, they built the set next to but a train time, line. The pacing. <laughs> they just put it next to <laughs> the train The pacing, line. I think, is important, though. Yeah. Uh, you got you to gotta keep it slow. So, I mean, there is a... Yeah, it was just a little people too who slow don't for me. Know what a, people who don't know what a midpoint is in a movie, you'll know what it is in this movie. Because yeah. you're going to think the movie's over. You're going to be like, oh, there's an hour left of this movie. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you'll know, because you'll keep pushing the up button to check how much is left in the fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I think. But if you if you chill out, I think it's. So I had seen I had seen the good, the bad, and the ugly because for whatever reason it was like on the IMDb top five or top ten for a while. It was like Shawshank one, Godfather two, and mm. this was it was like four or five. And of course they always put it in the Italian version. And was that four, was that the one I came home and you guys were watching in the living room? We were watching time? Once Upon a Time. Oh, uh, in, yeah, okay. in the West. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which I think is actually my favorite of the Leonis, if I'm mm. honest. But um. Yeah. And that one's longer than this. I, I do agree with David, it did feel long. I think the, the the description does it a disservice because I love the beginning. I love the setup before they teamed up. You know, I just love the idea of these bandits, these outlaws, and the money just kept getting bigger. And then we finally see the the prison breakout. So we know that there's gonna be this huge gang and they're gonna be doing something, you know. And I, I loved that setup before they teamed up. And I do love that it got complicated, but at a certain point it is like they decided to shove the whole plot into it, it started to get overcomplicated with the double crossing. And then I, I actually really love the villain because the villain was clearly, and, and I'm glad that they used, obviously he was obviously smoking something that was giving him hallucinations uh, as opposed to just having like a mental health, something that, you know, would be like other, like later movies would do. But I, I so I really loved the villain for sure, um, mm. which was helpful in this, but the double crossing and the pattern, it, it got a little complicated as it was getting drawn out forever. And it was like, See, I, I love the double crossing plot lines. That that was great. That's that sold me on so many films. Like sure. uh, even up to the modern films like Uncharted that we did a couple of years ago. Um, like that that double cross storyline when there's a double cross, a triple cross, and you'd start going uh-huh. cross side. I love that. That's clever. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're right. You do kind of start to lose track at what point who's double crossing who. Occasionally. These are different. I think. I think you got to shift your your brain a little bit away from what we think of now. When we think of world building, we think of like franchises and like, like a, a very large ecosystem of serial storytelling and that could happen in a movie or for trilogies or longer, or it could happen in our wonderful streaming shows. The movies back then, which I think people like Martin Scorsese are getting criticized for doing this now, they wanted to create a world in a single movie setting, like a single film going experience. I think part of the joy people had back then, because this would have, this would have played in a double feature, you guys. People would have bought a ticket and they would have watched like a whole movie before this sure. and just stayed and watched this one. Yeah. And I think I think there is something about just living in this world. Uh, and one way that I think that they achieved something so authentic, authentic probably isn't the totally right word since a lot of these actors were Spanish and Italian, but the looks of the extras. The looks of the supporting people, the way these humans looked. Yeah. They fucking so many like regular or or ugly or interesting or crazy mm. bold faces. Yeah. Did you guys notice um what's his name? Um Werner Herzog's boy. Uh as uh Klaus Kinski. Klaus He plays the hunchback, Juan the Wild. <laughs> Do you remember the hunchback guy? <laughs> yeah. He was the only white dude, the only like white dude in the in the bad gang posse who uh, oh you know, he has the my shootout. god, yeah. Mm. Um, there's just so many faces, but yeah, Jeff, you're right. Jean Maria Volonte, the guy who plays the villain. Yeah, holy he- crap! The the fucking the lack of dialogue that these men. Have. Can you imagine? You're walking on set every day, and you're like, "What are we doing today?" And you're like, "There's no script." And he's like, "It isn't no script. You're just gonna go from here over there, and here's the scenario." Like that nobody talks. There's very little talking in these movies. It's kind of incredible that they can 
be so long. I just, I just want to so long. Just want to jump on the cinematography for a second because there are some magnificent fucking shots in this. Do you know was this it. shot in black and white and then colorized later? What? I really was it. Was doubt it? it. I'm asking because they, like, they. I mean, I, I know they shot it on Eastman 50T, um, but it's it's very interesting to use a tungsten film for an outdoor. Like I want, again, I wonder if that was like, a... um, and that gives you a really unique look. I've I've figured it. I've yeah. decided, which is uh, yeah, I quite. Like nothing looks like those westerns, and I think it's to do with yes. film and film yeah. and lens choice, absolutely. And Dave, don't you feel like that's not for you and I to get in the weeds and bore everybody? But every director and cinematographer still has this conversation, folks. What are we going to go for the look? How are we going to achieve that look? And how are we going to use that form to create how we tell mm. the story? Yeah. And yet, something as simple as picking your film stock back when we used to pick on shoot on film. That alone would take care of so much of the way color was going to be printed onto these things eventually. The way it looks at the, you know, the red, blue stripes and green stripes, and just exactly what you just said. I think that mm. there is probably a reason why these movies. Well, actually, Fifty Fifty C was one of the first ones that wasn't three strip. Um, How it, many was it? Do you know? Ah, uh, one. It was a single. It was strip. a single. Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah, that's why God, they use. That's why they got um, like used a lot in those westerns because it was cheaper. That, I was about to say, there's no way that wasn't just a monetary choice for them to fucking do that. <laughs> Dave, how fucking jealous are you? They these motherfuckers didn't have to record sound. They were just <laughs> shooting anywhere they wanted under yeah. every circumstance, yeah. and they were like, it doesn't matter. It does. It doesn't have to. We don't have to worry about that. We can do anything we want visually. How did they like, do yeah, they, You know what, though? With the films I make now, the sound matches the lips. So I'm kind of, I'm, I don't know. It's kind of a trade-off, I, I guess. I know, I know. It is I funny. Know. Clint actually is brilliant at just, like, not moving his mouth when he talks and then, like, dubbing it. Like, it's so yeah. good. He's the only one that I was, like, never questioned. Everybody else, I was like, it almost looks like they're speaking a completely different language in the dubbing. Like, from a modern-day perspective, if, crazy, if someone yeah. had to QC his ADR, he'd get, half of it would get passed. So because when, you can't tell it's actually moving when his did, mouth. When did Clint do his ADR? Did they have to do it right away? Because he was not allowed to work in America. So he had to go back for Rawhide at the end of the summer. Like, when when the hell did he do it? Like, did they have to do it on the go? Like, I think we're going to use this. That's a wonderful fucking yeah. process question. Because normally when we do M&E and dubbing and everything, that happens, like, way after the fact when it gets distributed to another country. So... His voice might not have even been the voice that was used in the Italian version. That's that's probably true. Oh, that's no, prob that's probably true. Um, you know honestly, I mean? honestly, it definitely wasn't. They probably heard him talk later, and they were like, "Who the okay? Who the fuck is that guy?" <laughs> yeah, I will say I want to give Clint some props here. He came on screen, and Elizabeth was like, "Oh my god!" And I was yeah. like, "What?" She was like, "He's so handsome." Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Fuck yeah, man with no name. This guy, God, he is a fucking hogs, dude. He is the opening. That I love him. him in these movies so much. The opening fight when he walks in and the whole, just the whole bar scene, the saloon when he attacks the guy. What was the wager? Your life. He's, yeah. He fucking gives him the karate, the judo, he and chops the him. Neck yeah. And shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's badass, fucking chopped dude. him. Oh, the reveal. Oh my god, it was so good. I loved how I love how he lights his his cigarettes in his, in all of these movies. Sometimes it's so a boot. Cool. Something, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> is he? Is the reveal? Is his first shot when it's raining and he walks up and it, and that's he raises the hat. You know the classic, and you see the eyes and he's lighting. I don't know if it's raining. It's fucking yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't think he's. Like I'm not sure he ever does that though, because his hand always stays on his gun. The whole way through. Like his hand, oh, he's eye, always Dave. using. He's good always eye. using he his. Never takes it away. He's always using his left hand for everything because the right hand is on the gun under the poncho. Even when he's punching people. I love... Another thing... Yeah, yeah, go. Sorry. I love that they call them bounty killers. And it pisses yeah. me off when I see like Wikipedia or IMDb that's like two bounty hunters. And they're like, they said bounty killers so many times in this movie. Like, why do we have to change that? It's, bounty well, killers it, just sound so much more interesting. Not many people back then opted for the alive portion. For the hunt. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> no, that's... <laughs> that fucking... That fucking... Uh, 
the trailer of men that he rides away with the dead bodies behind yeah, him. at the end. He's, doing <laughs> he's, the he's counting them up. Sorry, I just uh, had a, uh, an yeah. adding problem. Oh, I missed um, one. <laughs> I love the I love the 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 little billboard thing at the beginning where life had no value. Death sometimes had its price. That is why the bounty killers appeared. Like, it's, that's it. That's it. I'm good. Honestly, I, I don't need a lot of plot. I'm yeah, good to go first, right there. My first gripe about this was what, like, need a new when, the guy, when the guy gets off the train and he walks up and looks at oh, the sure. poster and then he walks into town and he shoots that guy. And I'm like, that guy that's looked nothing easy. like his profile picture. Yeah, you do nothing like it. Well, at least the guy shaved the beard, though. At least yeah. they, like, they took that <laughs> into consideration. Also, he that guy just him. those running. Also, our colonel had a fucking rack of rifles on his horse, and he just like walked away from it like it was nothing. You got to keep those things safe. Man, they had a lot of. I don't think anybody's. I don't think anybody's touching his stuff. It'd be like you see a tank parked in the street. You're not going to get in it and drive off. Oh, you might. Leave it, cleave, dude. <laughs> don't fuck with them. And how about the obvious? We got to. We got to just point it out. These movies like are defined in the exact same way that Star Wars is John Williams themes. These movies are Ennio Morricone's yeah. music. Why was this, his very that that why was his Western name bouncing? It is. Why was his name bouncing all over the screen in the credits at the beginning? That was <laughs> it was it was yeah. like you had to like try to fire it. Just, like, I'm sorry. Stay I, know, put. I, I know I'm encroaching on like director intention sort of thing here, but when they did the 5.1 remaster, maybe pick more than two gun sound effects. Because you really, you really, I know, but it's so really fun. gotta grit your teeth on your cigar and get through that like opening credits. <laughs> no, come on, come on. Yeah, the same two shots. You want to go back in time with them? Yeah, yeah, come on. Guys, you don't want to hear Jaws. You don't want to hear the Jaws <laughs> track split into like five, right? You want that fucking weird ass. You're in IMAX and it's still mono, and that's, that's just what it sounded yeah. like, dude. <laughs> um, do you know that? I, um, I think. Um, Sorry, go ahead. John Maria Volonte, who you said uh, is our villain in this movie, who would appear in The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, um, was also in another movie in 1964 called The Magnificent Cuckold. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> was that porn? What's the uh, what's the synopsis on that? What's the blur? Actually, it's funny. It's like when a man a man like starts to get paranoid when he doubts that his wife is being faithful. That like literally is like what it's about. But it's called the magnificent. The magnificent okay, well, that's not what it means cuckold, today. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, that's fantastic. Also, I think uh, I love Marconi. I think my, to me, my favorite shot of Clint is actually the picture in the newspaper when the colonel realizes he's also a bounty killer and um, he's standing over it. He says like, man kills the, I think it's the Martin or the Martin brothers. And Clint is like stepping over him and he's got like this, he's like got the side angle kind of thing going on. Oh, it's so, I mean, that, that image right there. Is I will like say special. like my favorite part of the music is right at the end with the, um, the watch where he intersperses the two yeah. themes. Um, Every one other, of those other times it reminded me of watching star trek original series star trek a little and bit. i have oh. no doubt in my mind that sylvestri yeah who i think wrote a lot of the original star trek music right maybe um i, I don't know about the tv series am i making that up it, maybe not the tv series but whoever the fuck it was probably knew who any Morricone was yeah and they like, all listened to the old you know you know the original series episodes where like you know they, they tell tell him there's klingons and it cuts to captain kirk in the chair and it's like it cuts to the klingons back to the captain and he's in a different position it's just like different music it's like did the person doing this watch this yeah well i think it's fucking and the the showdown music in all oh, of his movies are oh. always like the best parts. Like Ennio Morricone just wraps in all yeah. of the themes. Mm -hmm. It's so good. Uh, yeah. And like, all right, what a good, this is, this is fucking, this is a good testament to the, the operatic, the theatricality. What Dave is talking about is these two little pocket watches. And when you open them, they're timepieces. When you open them, a, you can imagine the teeniest, tiniest little trinket <laughs> of uh, what is that? instrument called jeff that was inside of like uh, music boxes you know it's like a little harpsichord but it's metal and it flicks tiny little different I, pieces I of metal i, ha I had one that my mm. grandma came out of the time i forget so you called. know that like can you imagine how big these things are in a watch and yet onio morcone elevates them first the mm -hmm. sound design makes them loud so you yeah. think like that's already loud so it's subjective it creates this wonderful subjective emotional experience and then morcone fucking takes it to this whole other place of what it feels like for that music to be playing as when the mm. music ends, draw. 
And I just, mm-hmm. God, you can't get away with that shit nowadays. People would say that that's which just al- which also gives, bullshit, which also not gives, realistic. And- like Eastwood a really cool entrance at the end of the film. Like this, normally you'd yeah. have that moment at the beginning of the film, but no, this is this is the end of the film, and he's got a second really cool entrance to come in. And yeah, the the theme theme work there was fantastic because they set so, that up uh, like what halfway through the film that theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. It, it didn't, and then just least, sat maybe. on it because he does the first draw kill when you draw like right after the he gets out of prison the mm. jail. The oh no, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about the watch. They set the watch up that it plays that music like halfway through the film, give or take. And then, I think it's before. I think it's even yeah. earlier than that. Yeah, and then they just sit on it till the end, when suddenly it becomes extremely relevant. God, I love it, Marconi showdown. But yeah, uh, Clint's entrance, like a Hitchcock. I think he just his his gun just goes out and he's holding the watch. Right, it just mm. comes into the foreground. Yeah, I mean, just fucking beautiful. Why did Clint take? <laughs> why did Clint take it? Take why, the watch. Yeah. Why did he snap? He took it off, it the off chain? of. Th- he took well, it off the of, rule was when the music stops, draw. But when Clint came in, I don't think he was in the seat. The guy, because remember, he pulls yeah, it I out. I he, can't remember why he took it. I, that, that's I think he took it off me. camera. Well, the other guy who came back to try to shoot them, Clint snuck right. behind him and shot him. And he had taken the watch oh, okay. from um, from Van Cleef, I think. or From the colonel, yeah. From Lee Van Cleef. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Clint was giving Colonel it back to him. I think he was literally just God. It's just God. It's so much mm. fun, you guys. It's I also, love these movies. I do love there was some comedy in this. So you could tell this was the second. Like this definitely feels like a yeah, second there, film. Yeah, there were a couple of laugh at There was a time in, where um, Clint Eastwood and and Leland Van Cleef were doing like the stakeout in that final location uh, when they're trying to kill all the backs, all the backstabbing, and all the this and then that and. Um, and they realize it's them, so they don't shoot. It's that classic, like, <gasps> moment, and then they realize it's them. Like, they're not going to shoot. And a fucking cat in the back of the fucking frame just screams and goes, <laughs> and yeah. runs away while they don't shoot. So, like, instead of having this, like, nice, calm, tense, quiet moment, this fucking screechy cat, like, sends <laughs> this, like, chuck, like, somebody laughed, was like, let's throw a cat in there. Like, yeah. or you, you, that, just you know, that wasn't recorded on set. That was done on purpose. I know. Like, they <laughs> threw that in there. It was safe spiked it so loud they were having fun in this goddamn movie they were having fun i do, I do, I do love also... like when they do the stand-up like gunfight and they're holding for the draw right. um the one thing that always tickles me is how they cut to everyone's face and it's like everyone's watching tennis because they're always looking to the, the left and then they'll look to the mm-hmm. right yeah and cut to the next guy's looking to the left he looks to the right they're all checking the same person and then back like and it just does right. it like five or six times it always oh, tickles at least, me. Yeah, yeah. It is, but it's such a. It works, doesn't it? It builds so much it does tension. Build tension. Oh yeah. yeah, like unbelievable amounts of tension. I think this thing. Uh, I'm gonna even more than John Ford did, did this a lot too. Howard Hawks did this a lot too. But Leone more than maybe any of them. We people like Darren Aronofsky, lots of other filmmakers who owe this kind of language of we are either wide. And you can see everything, or we are this close. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. there are there's there such are no a two shots dynamism. in this film. <laughs> Honestly, there are very very few what we might call like mediums yeah. or even like the old cowboy shot from like the mm. the guns up, like the at holsters be, up. There really are very yeah. few of those. It's dirty wides everywhere. I love it. Fuck, I love it, dude. Again, because they didn't have to worry about what the fucking it sounded like. There was no boom yeah. hanging over them. They could be as far back as they wanted. Like. God, it's great. Hey, when when we so got jealous. to the when we got to the robbery, and they blew the back wall of the bank out and tied oh, tied fun. the safe to the horses and dragged it, was it awesome. out. Did you sit forward in your chair and go, oh, "Fast and Furious did that"? <laughs> yeah. Was that Fast, um, and Furious? Fast yeah. Five? Heat. Yeah. Uh, Fast Five. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, it was fucking fantastic. That sequence I mean, is that so good. Awesome. And just a classic. And I'm not going to credit him, but it was so effective when he cut to that stagnant shot of them all riding past in silhouette mm. with the yeah. the thing dragging behind them. I was just like, God damn it. Yeah, that yep. is just Western well, epitomized. And that, that fucked me up because the scene, it was like, it was not too long before that where the two of them decided to team up where they're obviously shooting each other's hats, which is absurd because they're literally shooting bullets so close to each other. It's like, I, you know, I, I know they're good shots, but I think I would jump a little bit if someone was shooting yeah. at my feet or my head from a hat. And of course, I don't think hats fly in the air when you shoot them, but you know, it was fun. But the, the lighting of that scene was incredible. And in the background was the stagecoach. 
of that uh, shot. It was, nice. in, it was like at the end, because I remember being like, oh, that's so lit in this like blue light. And then when they do the robbery and they have the stagecoach and they drive it away, it's like, oh my God. I don't know if it was the oh, same that's one. that's good. It was like the next scene. Well, at least it wasn't like Bonnie and Clyde, but they parked in the stagecoach and couldn't get away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's true, yeah, it's true. These oh. movies are worth watching. They're on HBO Max. Oh, All man. three of them, I think, are on there. Um, Sorry, I'm really glad we did I this. I make a phone call with your iPad. <laughs> what, is, what is happening over there? I don't know. I, Siri thought we were talking to her here on my iPad. Yeah. Fuck. Easy, Siri. <laughs> All right. Slow, well, settle down. Um, yeah. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Yeah, let's do it. That was great. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to our 1965 episode where we featured for a few dollars more available on Max, as John just said. We are now going to spin. Coincidentally, for a few dollars more is also how to get Jeff to do butt stuff. Jesus Christ. Um, so we are now going to segue from that into picking our next year. Seamlessly. So we have a random year generator that Dave is going to release onto the world. We are not going to sit here and Google all the movies that came out this year. After we get through our next segment, what you've been watching, we will inform you as to what we're watching next week so you can stay up to date with us. Dave, you ready yeah. to spin? Spinning it. Yes! Oh my god, we've been to this year so many times unintentionally. Unintentionally, yeah. So we're definitely we're definitely doing yes. Titanic, right? It's 1997. 1997, baby. 1997. What a year in film. Ooh. Man, Titanic really fucked up the Oscars because it won everything. But oh my god, I cannot wait to get there with you guys. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come, no, no, we're not taking a break. We're going right into yeah. what you've been watching, and we'll tell you what we pick in 1997 at the end of this segment. I think we should start. By the way, we should start what you've been watching. Dave, kick it off for us. What did you guys watch for your Christmas movie? If you watched a, you know, day of, night mm. of, Christmas, Christmas Dave? Eve, like what did you have a, did you have I, one I, that you watched well, this year? Well, I mean, as always, Christmas Vacation was in there, but. Then also Hawkeye. The blessing! Hawkeye. The blessing! Hawkeye was the other show I watched uh, as my Christmas show, and I think it's going to be my Christmas watch from now on. What was it? Hawkeye. Oh, Hawkeye. Watched the it. Disney yeah. series, yeah. I love Hawkeye. Marvel yeah. series, yeah. yeah. Cool, cool. Um, definitely Christmas Vacation and fucking, man, dude, the Muppets Christmas, dude. It's so good. <laughs> and then the original Grinch, but Muppets Christmas, man. That, because we were going to Hawaii, so with the lays, when the fucking rats are like, can we put some more coal in the fire? Um, you know, yeah, and then he's oh like, he's like, how would the, how would the, what do they call them? The stenos like to be unemployed. And they're like, heat wave. And like we fucking did that. Like, Expect crazy. the first ghost when the bell does one. <laughs> oh my God. It's so good. What about you? How would the employees like to be on the unemployment line? Heat wave. Oh my God, dude. That meme of Michael Caine. Mike, you know it's a kids movie. It's got some Muppets in it. Yeah, Just have yeah, some yeah. fun with it. Be yeah. silly. I'm gonna play this as serious as a heart attack. <laughs> as serious as a car accident. It yeah. so works. <laughs> yeah. John, have some did... fun. Be a little silly. What did you, I watched what did you watch? the ref. I for some, for, it was not a Christmas movie. <laughs> I watched fucking Big Lebowski, and I'm so oh. glad I did. It was actually a really good time for a Christmas movie. I don't know why that worked so well, but I had such a wonderful time watching it. Uh, yeah. What else did you guys watch or finish? Dave? Dave? Um, I actually finally watched The Hunt, the film that had its release date pulled um, a couple of years ago because uh, it was basically about them hunting people for sport and it coincided with one of the many, too many school shootings um, that Ooh. happened in the US. Uh, it, it did come out. It's actually quite clever. I thought it was quite a clever film. It's, it's not what you think. Um, in how they're how they're posturing it, they take both sides of this argument to task um, throughout the course of it. I, I actually really enjoyed it. For so what this it is was. not the, the Mads Mikkelsen movie. This is a different movie. No, this is a different movie. Yeah. Oh, cool. Betty Gilpin, Hilary Swank, that one. Hmm. Hilary yes. Swank. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sweet. Betty Gilpin. Um, uh, yeah. We've been watching uh, Percy Jackson on Disney, um, nice. the TV series of the the books. Um, that's a really faithful and really cool adaptation. I highly nice. recommend it. Um, cool. We've been going through Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. We yeah. finished that tonight. Oh. Um, 
the the end shot is worth it. I am dying for season two. I hope they get a season two. Um, like I said, I saw poor, poor things. Uh, I watched Saltburn because I was curious about all of the uh, murder on the dance floor clips that was showing up on my tip, TikTok. And? Um, now I get it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, I mean, it's, it's not as bad as everyone was making out, but it's pretty bad. I agree. Yeah, I agree, I agree. <laughs> and we've been going through Echo, the new Marvel series, which is a totally different tone. It's under the new Marvel Spotlight series, so you don't need to do four fucking or 25 years of homework to uh, to watch the show. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a um, deaf amputee superhero. Nice. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I love it. <laughs> John? Uh, what did I do? I finished The Crown, and I really enjoyed finishing it. And so I just <laughs> immediately pressed play on season one, episode one. Nice. I'm like, God, that show's good. I love mm-hmm. it so much. Um, and I think, to be honest with you, that's it. We've been watching some uh, British Bake Off recently, which is always nice. heart- heartwarming as fuck. If anybody has never watched <laughs> that show, you just have fucking tears in your eyes. These oh, people are okay. so yeah. sweet. I mean, that, that's, um, that is definitely food for the soul, the Bake Off. Oh, my God. It really <laughs> is, dude. Really, honestly, I'm not kidding. Tears in your eyes. It's, it's so the, sweet. It's the only reality TV I'll tolerate. <laughs> Me too. It really yeah. is the only one. Like, they're they're on sometimes when I, when I come home. Like, not a lot, but, like, this one is unreal dude i really do enjoy watching it sometimes hmm. uh and god damn it there was another series that i had been watching as well and i'm just gonna pass it to you jeff i can't remember all right i watched i finished slow horses i started that a couple weeks ago and it's just so fun nice. guys i love slow horses season yeah. three and it ended with a trailer for season four so i feel like all these other shows that are just getting like canned this one is just like here's a trailer for the next season i was like the finale literally just came out i don't know when they filmed these with the strike <laughs> yeah. i have no idea when it happened but slow horses apple tv plus it was only like six episodes how many episodes a season it's six it's always six like 40 45 minute episodes yeah. and it's yeah. so big it's i binged the fuck out of it, it was so you know how good. they filmed it europe <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Still okay i watched um Jeff, Bi- did season two really fast did season two end with him with the russian making him the russian guy that wonderful old russian actor kills himself and he like he goes and confronts him and the guy is that the end of season two or have i missed season two season two is the one with the plane with the code september and um he goes to like the airplane hangar yeah i think that was the end of season one all right i think it's the end of season okay (laughs) Um, i have some slow horses to watch (laughs) i watched i watched goodbye barry which was about Barry Sanders, who, if you guys are a football fan, by the way, the Cowboys just got fucked up, and I really appreciate that. Thank you, Green Bay. I never thought I would say that, but thank you for sending the Cowboys home in dramatic fashion after a 12 and 5 season. Um, so, but Bye Bye Barry is about Barry Sanders in Detroit. And has, it got Eminem, it got Jeff Daniels, it got like these huge people to talk about Barry Sanders. It was really funny. Um, I watched, I watched so many things on like the plane. I'm trying to put them all together, but. Um, I don't know. I watched, oh, I watched Pearl Harbor because I went to Pearl Harbor. So I watched that again. Obviously, the love story is not great, but the action sequences are fucking awesome. So go rock on, Michael Bay. Action Michael sequences Bay. are awesome. Um, I can't remember what else I watched, to be honest with you. I'm sure I watched something else with Angela and I can't remember, but we watched some good shit. It was fun. We had a good time. We had a good time. Nice. 2024, bitches. It's our year. Let's take a break and let's uh, discuss what we're going to do. We'll be right back. Oh. All right, thank you for sticking it out. This week, ahead of next week's episode, we are going to watch 1997's LA Confidential. Jesus, wait for it. Streaming (laughs) on Netflix until the end of January, in which case it will still continue to stream on Netflix with ads. Is that right, Dave? Well, mine will. Oh. <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. Yeah. No, I got until the end of January before they downgrade my plan. So Um, fantastic. All right, fellas, anything you want to say Monster. before we head out and wrap this episode up? No, this is wonderful. Mm. All awesome. Right. Till next time, film fans. See you then. Peace.